promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 111. Hallelujah. I'll praise the Lord with all my heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The Lord's works are great studied by all who delight in them. All that he does is splendid and majestic. His righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has provided food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works by giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his instructions are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in truth and in uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. His name is holy and awe-inspiring. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his instructions have good insight. His praise endures forever. Amen. Our reading today comes from Ezekiel chapter 4. All of it. (laughs) Now you, son of man, take a brick, set it in front of you, and draw the city of Jerusalem on it, then lay siege against it. Construct a siege wall, build a ramp, pitch military camps, and place battering rams against it on all sides. Take an iron plate and set it up as an iron wall between yourself and the city. Face it so that it is under siege and besiege it. This will be a sign for the house of Israel. Then lie down on your left side and place the iniquity of the house of Israel on it. You will bear their iniquity for the number of days you lie on your side forever assigned to you. The years of their iniquity according to the number of days you lie down, 390 days, so you will bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. When you have completed these days, lie down again but on your right side and bear the iniquity of the house of Judah. I have assigned you 40 days, a day for each year. Face the siege of Jerusalem with your arm bared and prophesy against it. Be aware that I will put cords on you, so you cannot turn from side to side until you have finished the days of your siege. Also take wheat, barley, beans, lentils, millet, and spelt. Put them in a single container and make them into bread for yourself. You are to eat it during the day number of days you lie on your side, 390 days. The food you eat each day will weigh 8 ounces. You will eat it at set times. You will also drink a ration of water, a sixth of a gallon, which you will drink at set times. You will eat it as you would a barley cake and bake it over dried human excrement in their sight. The Lord said, This is how the Israelites will eat their bread, ceremonially unclean, among the nations where I will banish them. But I said, O Lord God, I have never been defiled from my youth until now. I have not eaten anything that died naturally or is mauled by wild beasts, and impure meat has never entered my mouth. He replied to me, Look, I will let you use cow dung instead of human excrement, and you can make your bread over that. He said to me, Son of man, I am going to cut off the supply of bread in Jerusalem. They will anxiously eat food they have weighed out, and in dread drink rationed water. 
For lack of bread and water, everyone will be devastated and waste away because of their iniquity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I said last week that we were going to try and tackle this entire chapter, which I think we can, because we're just going to break it down into a few little chunks, and I don't think it will take us too much time. This, this first chunk is the art project that Ezekiel is given. He, he's told, take a brick, set it in front of you, and draw the city of Jerusalem on it. Uh, it probably better translated a tile. It, it would have been a clay tile and how they would write things down and how they would uh, uh, communicate so that you would uh, take uh, clay, uh, some clay that you've made, that you've put together into a tile, and then you would use a, a utensil of some kind, um, metal, whatnot, to inscribe on that tile something, and then it would be set out to dry in the sun, right? And then that would be used as a letter to be sent to somebody or or whatnot. Uh, here, he's told to draw a picture, which uh, doing some research into this, they found a lot of these all over the place in the Middle East and in Mesopotamia uh, and elsewhere, that pictures being drawn to tell a story in part because, right, uh, literacy was not, you know, the biggest thing uh, for, for some people, but you can always draw to tell a story. It's why in youth groups, sometimes when we do a prayer time, uh, I'll often have a big sheet of butcher paper out. Not that, not that I'm saying my youth are illiterate or whatnot, but that I give them the opportunity to instead draw a picture of, uh, what is, um, uh, of what is, uh, uh, on their mind, whatever it might be. Uh, to, to instead of having to write words or put words into their mouths uh, to try and and pray how they think how we think they're supposed to pray or how they think they're supposed to pray instead praying in a way that's natural to them and so drawing a picture well here we have Ezekiel uh, becoming Vincent van Gogh and and trying a picture he's told uh, and this picture is very specific uh, that he's supposed to draw the city of Jerusalem on and then he's supposed to draw uh, the siege wall and, and build a ramp and pitch military camps and, and place battering rams against it on all sides. And when I was a child and I read this, I always thought this was model class, right? Like he would take that clay and, and draw on it the city of Jerusalem. And then he built models all around it of these sorts of things. But after doing some research and it's more, more likely that he just drew the entire picture on this, this clay tile he says, take an iron plate, so something very solid, very sturdy, very strong, impregnable, and set it up as an iron wall between yourself and the city. Face it so that it is under siege and besiege it. This will be a sign for the house of Israel. Or uh, the, the, a more direct translation would be, set your face towards it. And basically, uh, uh, Ezekiel, you're against Israel. You're taking the place of me. And, and there's so much here that we, that we see in the, in the working of God. Having him draw this out on the clay, when that clay dries, there's no way to erase it, right? You, you can't get one of those big uh, pink rubber erasers like I have on my desk right now that I'm holding in my hand and erase any mistakes. It's, it's set in stone, <laughs> uh, no pun intended. It's set there in the clay uh, that, that there is, that there is uh, no reversing this. 
and that that iron being that the siege is going to come upon you as iron as impregnable and it's going to be be without mercy and it's going to be to such an extent that even my prophet my spokesperson my watchman is against you jerusalem so that here he he is made to to be forced uh, to become the enemy of his own people to speak against them imagine what that would be like for ezekiel being the one called out of his people to actually become the bad guy how many of us have ended up having to be the bad guy in different relationships in different circumstances where we're having to be the ones that are having to have a come to jesus meeting with members of our own family that that we're the ones that have had to uh, be the the instigators of an intervention for those in our lives who are are struggling with addiction or or uh, uh, some other uh, behavior that might kill them well here you have ezekiel being forced to be in that position as well being forced to speak against his own people against everything that he loves against the city that he loves that he wishes that he could return to against the temple against uh, more than likely family members of his that are still back there in judah and he's having to be the spokesperson that is to turn his face against jerusalem and that that he is to be the sign of the siege against it and it's going to happen there's no way around it and then we have this weird uh this weird uh, picture here in which he's told lie down on your left side uh, left side symbolizing the northern kingdom the, the ten tribes of israel that made up the northern kingdom that broke away after after solomon dies and rehoboam and, Jer- and jeroboam go to war against each other and it splits up the kingdom because rehoboam was a moron uh, and and then jeroboam is the one that causes israel to sin he builds the calves at, at dan and bethel the the golden calves and and uh, creates his own priesthood and and it's there that in the northern kingdom that we get the stories of jehu and ahab and um and so many others that were not good people and they were taken into exile into uh, by the assyrians um and and that's an interesting story in of itself but we don't have time right now and he's made to lay on his left side and i love this these words that are used says and place the iniquity of the house of israel on it meaning lay on your left side and take upon yourselves the punishment take upon yourself the punishment or the iniquity for i've assigned you the years of their iniquity according to the numbers number of days you lie down on it you will bear their iniquity for the number of days you lie on your side so you will bear it the iniquity of the house of israel imagine the grief of god here imagine the grief that he has of these chosen people these ones that that uh, he called out through abraham and he walked with and he brought them out of egypt and yet for almost 400 years the the ones in the northern tribes gave him the finger turned their backs on him and he still great gracefully gifted to them rain and sun and moon and stars and life all of those things and then imagine the grief of ezekiel now having to 
bear those burdens, bear those iniquities for, for people that have already been punished, that have already been taken away out of Samaria into the lands of, of, of the Assyrians and the Persians. And he has to bear that iniquity. And that's the same thing that happens with Judah. He's made to lie on his right side, the, the symbol of the southern uh, kingdom of Judah and bear their iniquity for 40 days or the, the, the iniquity that was 40 years since Manasseh, the absolute complete turning away of the people from their God. And he is made to have to carry these sins, these burdens. And, and, and we know that it, if we read first and second Kings, we know that it was more than just 40 years. And yet somehow in this, God is being gracious saying, okay, but you're only going to have to bear it for 40, 40 years. But you, Ezekiel, you are going to have to bear the iniquity of those from a kingdom to which you have no connection, to which that you have probably been raised to hate them, this Northern tribe, you're going to bear their sin. You're going to have it placed upon you. And it says, face the siege of Jerusalem with your arm bared and prophesy against it. And be aware that I will put cords on you so you cannot turn from side to side until you have finished the days of your siege. That you read this and, and you discover that even uh, in a way, God did not enjoy the suffering and the pain. God did not enjoy the fact that the siege was going through. God did not enjoy the fact that this was going to be taking place, and yet it was to happen. When I, um, when I was in seminary, I wrote a paper uh, sort of based off of a movie <laughs> uh, that, that we don't need to get into, but uh, it was this notion of the pastor as sin eater. The pastor as the one in which uh, people come forward for communion. Right and and within the the Lutheran context, we have this this expectation of this understanding that people uh, should be going to confession, uh, be being made right within the church before they receive communion. That's that's the sort of traditional confessional understanding of things. And and I was at the time in training to be a pastor within a somewhat less confessional denomination, the ELCA, and. Uh, the conversation was around the fact that as a pastor, when you'd be presiding at communion, you would have plenty of people who would come who they were not right with one another. They were in squabbles with one another. They were in fights with one another. They were not reconciled to one another, and yet they actually needed what it is that we know to be the, uh, the gift that is given to us of Christ in the Holy Supper, which is mercy, the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. And that every time they come forward, we are reminding ourselves uh, as we come to receive communion that we are sinners in need of saving, that, it, that there's no way to get around it, that because Christ came and because Christ died, we are sinners and we are in need of, in need of that redemption. And the notion of the paper was around the fact that oftentimes the pastor knows what's going on between these two people. 
And these two people are not in a place to be, to, to be reconciled. And yet we, we need to be offering up to them the truth of what it is that God is doing that hopefully he's convicting them of their sin as they come forward to receive communion. And that hopefully he is, uh, uh, going to use that as a catalyst to bring them some redemption, especially if they see each other across the chancel as they're kneeling for communion at the communion rail. But that oftentimes the pastor has to bear that sin. The pastor has to bear the sins of those who, who come to him for confession. And yes, we offer them back to Jesus and say, Jesus has taken them away. They're not ours anymore. And yet we, we as pastors often bear the knowledge throughout our lives of, of your confessions to us that we can't share with anyone else. And yet we bear those along with us, having to take those burdens with us. Here you have Ezekiel playing in that role, that priestly role. He's a priest and he is called to bear the sins of his people, that he is going to be punished in, in symbolic fashion so that people understand the severity of what it is that is happening. I wonder how that would work for us in the church, how we'd be willing to bear the burdens of one another, that we'd be able to bear the sins of one another rather than being vindictive against each other, knowing that uh, each one that enters that this building uh, enters into our Bible studies, enters into our fellowship times, comes to our Christmas programs, are ones for whom Christ died are sinners uh, in need of saving. How is it then that we can uh, offer up ourselves as those to carry the burdens of one another, to realize that this is how the church is to work, to be the ones that carry away sin to Jesus and leave it for him to put to death. And even though, yes, we will carry that knowledge with us, knowing that Christ has taken that away here, Ezekiel doesn't have that chance right now. Instead, he's being forced to have to carry the burdens of his people, the sin, the sins, the symbolic sins, these iniquities, whether, whether we believe as, as some of the commentators say that this was all imaginary, that it is all symbolic or that it was actually, uh, you know, 430 days that he laid on one side. I don't know. But then God puts an exclamation point on it, right? He says, you're going to have to make your bread. And, and I think some of you have probably seen the Ezekiel bread uh, that, that gets sold in stores that's supposed to be following this recipe from chapter four of all these whole grains. And it's supposed to be really, really healthy for you and all this stuff. I've had it before and it's, it's pretty good. This is not a good thing. We, we should not be looking at the Ezekiel bread in the grocery store and going, oh, well, God's present in the bread aisle. Yay. This is not a good thing. God's saying there's not going to be a harvest for you to get enough wheat from or barley or whatnot. You're going to have to make bread with whatever is available is what he's saying. That, that, that the natural grain that you would normally be using is not going to be available. You're going to have to do with whatever you can. It's, it's not a blessing. It's a curse being brought upon the people of Jerusalem and upon, and upon Ezekiel 
as well. And, and he's talking about the rationing of those things, that you're only going to be able to, to uh, eat a certain amount, eight ounces of bread. That's not very much. And only so much of water. And it's dispersed throughout the day. So that it's not taken all at once. That you're going to have to ration all those things because you are going to be symbolizing also the siege of the people. That, that you are going to be walking with them while you are the besieger, right? While you are the one uh, uh, with your face towards Jerusalem and lying on your left side for 390 days, lying on your right side for 40 days, being the sin eater for your people, uh, symbolically carrying their iniquities, their, their sins, then also besides, besides being the mouthpiece of God and being the besieger, you are also going to be uh, the co-sufferer. That, that you are going to uh, suffer along with them. You are going to be eating and drinking as they are going to have to eat and drink during the siege. You are going to know what it's like for them to be burdened. And that's, that's what we mean by trying to realize the necessity of mercy in the lives of our people. The necessity of mercy in the lives of, of your fellow sinners your fellow congregants and the world around us, that they are being burdened with sin, burdened with pain, and that they are fighting a fight that we don't know to use the cliche that we see all the time. And to be able to co-suffer with one another is then a way to better understand the necessity of grace and mercy in each other's lives. And then God finally adds one more heartache to Ezekiel, right? He says, yeah, you get to eat this bread, but oh, by the way, you're going to get over poop. I would use the other four letter word, but I won't because I don't want to have to give this podcast a, uh, a particular rating when I post it. Uh, but he says, you're going to bake it over human excrement because you are going to be made ceremonial, ceremonially unclean because your people are going to be unclean. They're going to have to find whatever they can to bake their bread. And it's going to be their own fecal matter that they're going to have to use to do it because there's not going to be wood to be able to do it. And, and Ezekiel freaks out and says, I've never been unclean. Come on, Lord, please don't make me do this. And so God goes, okay, I'll give you a little grace. Instead, you can use cow poop. Still going to be ceremonially unclean, but I won't make you have to use your own poop to bake your bread. God ripping away Ezekiel's religion, ripping away the religion of the people, ripping away all the things that we try to use to give ourselves some sort of outward righteousness. And instead, he says, you're going to be unclean along with them. And Ezekiel doesn't like it, but at the same time, it is what has to be because this is what God is coming to do. This is a wonderful chapter, church, about death and resurrection, about God putting to death all the things that we trust in so that we might trust in him. God putting to death all of 
of the expectations that we have for the glories of whatever life we think we're going to be able to make for ourselves and instead saying, no, you, ins you instead have to trust in me. And with that comes God ripping all sorts of things away from us. Here he's, he's telling Ezekiel, I'm going to take away all your righteousness and your religiosity and you're going to be left only with myself. I wonder if God has to do that for us, church, to rip away the masks, rip away the outward righteousness that we might cling to him. Because once we're able to do that, once we're able to cast aside those masks and that outward righteousness, we are then able to do the things that, that then uh, Ezekiel is able to do. Be a proper mouthpiece. To be the one called on by God, to have to be a truth teller, maybe. To be a be the one who has to have the come to Jesus meeting, but then also to be the one who really understands others, that we carry burdens for one another, that, that we're willing to uh, lay on our left and our right side, suffering iniquity, including suffering the besiegement of our souls for the Christ that we serve. Let us pray. Lord, hear our prayers and come to us bringing light into the darkness of our hearts. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, go in peace and serve the Lord this week as you go about your work. Share this with one another, uh, with, with others, that we might uh, continue to grow in this understanding of God's mercy and grace upon us that sometimes it might not look like mercy and grace, and yet it comes to us as that, as what we need in him. Go in peace through the Lord. See you next time.